0: Hi, this is Libby. And this is Courtney. And we are two of the co-founders of Pantsuit Nation, which is an online community of 3.8 million progressives working to resist the current administration. Welcome to our eighth episode of This Pod is Your Pod. (laughs) Yay, episode eight. Um, We bring stories to you from our members and offer calls to action to help us stay focused in fighting to protect the rights of those most vulnerable. It's really been, I think, a tough couple of weeks with certainly watching what's coming out of Texas with Hurricane Harvey and now Hurricane Irma. This morning, we're recording this on Wednesday, Um, we're really reeling from the DACA announcement from the president. And our fourth episode, we talked to Cheska Perez about DACA. Um, It's a really powerful moment. Um, There's the fires on the West Coast. There's what's going on with North Korea. It's kind of a crazy time. And so this podcast gives us a chance to really drill down and talk to individual people about individual issues that we can then kind of zoom out and see how we're all interconnected and how all of these issues are really part of this overall kind of seeking to see the humanity in one another.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, one of the most important things that we talk about in Suit Nation over and over again, since we started this group, now, you know, it's coming up on a year, which is is um, hard to believe in some ways, but is the importance of personal narrative and connecting, you know, individual, as you said, Courtney, individual experience to the things that we're reading about in the news and sort of this overarching narrative that can sometimes feel disconnected from personal experience. Um, and I know personally my own sort of series of awakenings that happen almost every day as I'm a, you know, a member of this group and, and reading the stories in this group about some of my own, you know, things that, that for me had been sort of buried or, or uncovered in terms of the way that I am in the world and the way that I am looking at, at communities that are vulnerable in this administration. And so it's really important to me that, that we have this opportunity in the podcast, especially to really hear those voices. And I'm especially excited today to welcome Emily Ratblack, who's been a member of Pantsuit Nation, um, but I hope many of our listeners listeners also recognize her as uh, the author. She's written a couple of books. Poster Child is a memoir. Um, and she also wrote The Still Point of the Turning World, which is a beautiful um, account that was a New York Times bestseller. And Emily's joining us from California. And I don't need to do much to, to tell her story. I'm hoping that she'll jump in and, and tell us a little bit about herself and, and what she's doing in this moment to kind of spread awareness about some issues that she cares deeply about. So Emily, welcome to This Pod is Your Pod. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's so exciting. I have a pantsuit.
2: <laughs> We're
1: thrilled you. to have you.
2: <laughs> it's bright red. I know, I wore it on election
3: day. Um, <laughs>
1: yes. So,
2: so yeah, I mean, my, my main, I know that this, this podcast is focused primarily on like what we can do right now in the current administration around issues we're passionate about to sort of diminish the sort of deleterious effects of what's happening, right? And I, for me, I grew up with a a disability. I have an artificial leg. I've had it since I was four. I've never really felt freedom in my body and I've always felt like my passage in the world was sort of, you know, I don't know, tricky at best and especially as a woman, so it's like a double whammy, like first you're a woman and then you're like the wrong kind of woman in a sense. Um, So I've always felt that particular pressure. And I think that has worsened since, um, since the new administration stepped in just with the sort of blatant um, hatred, frankly, of women's bodies as being different and the public mocking of a person with a disability on television by Trump. And that I think was for a huge turning point for me, especially, I mean, I couldn't hardly believe it that it was happening. Um, So I, I guess my, my activism is, is certainly to the written word. Uh, I always joke with my husband, like I, I can't cook, (laughs) I can't clean, but I can really come up with a good metaphor. (laughs) He's just like, okay, you know, like there's certain, you know, it's, it's, maybe a strange skill, but it's the one that I feel like I can wield the best in terms of a weapon right now. So I recently wrote an, a, a, an essay uh, or a contribution for the New York Times about watching um, people with disabilities being removed from their wheelchairs and sort of dragged out of offices uh, protesting sort of what's happening with the healthcare system. And then my parents' own experience being in Denver during the first sort of real staging of disability rights, when uh, a group of activists took over the streets of Denver and were like, we're going to, you have to let us get on buses, like we're getting on. And this was a couple of weeks before my first major operation, which was an amputation. And so my parents were sort of riveted, I think, and also horrified, like, what was my life going to be like, like... What's is this? I'm going to have to be protesting in the streets for you know passability in the world. That's what's happening, and so so those issues have come around again for me in in a very real way. And so I've I get a lot of letters from especially women with disabilities who real feel very disenfranchised in this culture and also just forced to make a decision between pretending to be a sort of super overachiever or kind of giving up and staying home. Like, those are those are the sort of models that we're given. And I believe that we live in the middle space. Like, yes, is it harder to have a disability than not? Yeah, um, certainly more expensive. Um, is it a tragedy? Not necessarily. Um, and I would actually, I would say, no, it's not. But it's the way that it's perceived as tragic, I think, is the, the really hard part of being in this world, as a person with a with a non normative body, um, so those 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 where my interest stems
1: from. Yeah. So your um the New York Times op ed is incredible, and we will tweet it out to our listeners. If you go to at Pantsuit Nation on Twitter, we'll share a link to this so you can read it. It's it's really a beautiful and moving and really thought provoking piece. And one of the things that stood out to me is is you wrote, it seems that discrimination against people with disabilities is the final frontier of human rights. And you also talk about, mm-hmm. about language. And I'm wondering if you, um, for those of us that are, are trying to be better allies and, and working on our own kind of ways of being in the world and, and encountering folks with disabilities or children with disabilities, what are some of the things that you you know can offer as a a way to be on the forefront of of that final frontier as you write in your in your piece for the times, yeah
2: well, I mean I think on a on a mega or a meta scale, it's like you know when something like a a public mocking by of a of a reporter with a disability happens, you know letters to everyone you can think of right, right. that's like the sort of grand scale, but on a very personal level, I think you know when you meet someone that has a disability it, instead of you know, saying what happened to you, which is the common thing, or, uh, you know, a variety of sort of phrases that aren't meant to be offensive, but also don't really communicate correctly what you're actually trying to say, I think you can say, hey, tell me about you, you know, just like you would anyone. And, And usually that person will be like, well, you know, I mean, because, just like everything about us, like, just like being women isn't the only thing we are. Um, you know, we're other things. We're mothers or we're not mothers or we're writers or we're lawyers. Like, we have a disability or we don't. Like, it's it's just another aspect. And it's interesting. But, it, but when you ask the question, like, well, what happened to you? And then the person says, oh, you know, my leg is artificial in my case. And then the, the response is, I'm sorry. It's very complicated <laughs> for the person on the other end because why are they sorry? Like it that brings with it a host of, you know, assumptions about what it means to have a disabled body. And then, and then you have to say, oh, don't be sorry. But it's like, why is that the response? Right. So and then, then you're days, making the other oh, person feel better. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> yeah. why is
0: this now about you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, I often say like when people say, don't be sorry, I say, actually, I'm not sorry. I'm happy to tell you how it really is for me. Mm. So it would be awesome if someone would say to me, like, just tell me how that is for you. So That's a kind of an open-ended question.
0: One thing that I think is really interesting as I, you know, I read your op-ed and I've been kind of thinking about how we were going to talk to you, is that disability is really the definition of an intersectional space. That there is no, you know, delineation between people of color, um, LGBTQIA, you know, immigration status, that disability kind of cuts across all of that. And I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to kind of that, I don't know, it seems like a, a complication and a strength of the community of people who identify as disabled. Yeah. I
2: mean, I think the first thing, getting back to what you said before, is a language issue. Like all the time in the news you hear is the disabled. I mean, which is kind of ridiculous. Like you would never say like the women. <laughs> um, it's just like a very blanket. It's, it, it, it's, it's a kind of an archaic way of talking about, you know, fill in your, you know, a word there about groups of people that we don't understand or don't quite, you know, have a handle on. And part of that is because it's such a diverse community, right. Uh, that anyone can join at any time open. Um, so I think, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out like, if I think it's, I do think it's a strength because I think people with disabilities tend to know how to navigate the world in a a tougher world than other people. And I don't, I I, I say that with sort of a caveat that I'm not trying to be like disabled people are brave. And that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say that if you, if you know that it's going to be different for you in the world, you're you're usually going to figure out like how best to pass to pass in the world, however that goes for you. So they kind of, good. They're good at that, but that's great. So, so in terms of navigating political systems or organizing for change, that's all good. But the other problem with that is that so much of that is sort of individual and private and not talked about. So for example, like I, my sort of relatives, Midwestern relatives in a very small farm town, like no one would ever like even mention that I had an artificial leg. but nobody wanted me to like wear shorts. Like no, you wear long pants, like don't show it, hide it, hide it, you know. And so that was how I passed. And then eventually, of course, that doesn't work anymore <laughs> for a lot of different reasons. But some people aren't able to to do that even. So they have to navigate in a different way. So it's bringing together that diversity of experience and figuring out what's going to be the best strategy for everyone to move forward is what's really difficult. And so many people with disabilities depending on when they were born and what, what kind of disability they have and their and certainly their economic standing are so disenfranchised that they're like almost impossible to reach it feels like. So that I think is the biggest challenge, but I also think, you know, once you give people the tools for their own empowerment and they've not had it for so long, then that's why you get, you know, people being w- w- willing to have themselves dragged out of wheelchairs to prove their point, right? Which is no small thing.
0: Yeah.
1: One of the things that's um, really interesting to me about what you're saying to Emily is sort of how we define activism. And when we think about in Pantsuit Nation about, and, and in this podcast, it's a common theme of there's so many ways to be an activist. And I think when we think about being good allies to to people with disabilities and thinking about having that broad interpretation of activism is really important because Sort of a lot of times, the traditional views that we have of what it means to be an activist is a pre- pretty kind of ableist mindset that might involve marching out in the streets, making phone calls and it involves showing up, you know, in places that aren't necessarily open to people with mobility challenges. And and there's so many ways that activism is defined in a very narrow way that we really try and, and expand that definition. And and but it, it's a challenge, right? Because these mm-hmm. when you think of sort of the the beautiful image of an activist, I think increasingly the activist community is is, you know, such as it is, is, is being a little bit more inclusive but that's something that I think there's a, mm-hmm. there's a huge kind of ways to <laughs> ways to go and, and along with it, a lot of other things but when you say yeah, the final yeah. frontier of human rights and discrimination is so prevalent um, that's one of the things that I think of and and how writing can be a yeah an amazing tool for that
2: yeah I mean I, I feel like in some ways like the reason I think it's often the final frontier is that we don't often see people with disabilities in any kind in any new way there's no like nuanced inter- like there's no nuanced images of people with disabilities most of the time right. like in tv or movies like there's certain tropes that get repeated over and over again so i feel like one sort of very small form of activism that i participate in a lot is to among my community of people with disabilities is to say like you have a right to take up space in the world like how are you going to do that um you have a right to like exist you know, yeah. like, and, and that it sounds very fundamental, but those are the kinds of issues that, you know, we're dealing with. It's like, you know, if, if these people don't have access to particular kinds of health care, people will die. They will die. So it's like, well, how can we marshal our resources to make sure that you get what you need to live um, to be here? Um, you have a place in this world. I think that's really important for, you know, people with disabilities to hear because we don't get that message very often, you
1: know, we're at all really from culture. It's so true. And I think it's such an important message for all of us to keep reminding ourselves of and making room and, and passing the mic. You know, that's something that we, we try to do is, is think about, yeah, who is, who is taking up space in in front of us in whatever context and, and who isn't and and how can we make some room um, for those that aren't, you know, coming to the forefront because they've been excluded for so long. And so, Emily, I think you're you're certainly doing that, and you're you're leading the way for others, which is so important. And thank you for sharing your story with us. and And um, I hope that our listeners will uh, check out your work. Like I said, we'll we'll share that piece, that incredible piece from the New York Times. And um, do you have a website where where people can find more of your work? Yeah, um, it's emilyratblack.com. dot com. Perfect.
0: Ah, okay. smart. <laughs> <laughs>
1: My three
3: names.
0: <laughs> Straightforward. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much, Emily. It's been really, I don't know, your your conversation, this conversation has given me kind of a lot to think about in my own activism as like, you know, how am I maybe contributing to the um, lessening of visibility of people with disabilities? And what can I do about that? um, Mm -hmm. So that I'm not Making it worse as I'm trying to make it better for um, different populations. So, um, thanks for coming on and, and giving us um, giving us some tools. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. Thanks, Emily. Take care. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye now. This pod is your pod is brought to you by Sunbasket. A lot of people say that fall is their favorite season. I count myself among those people. But there is no denying that it is a very busy time. Some of us are dealing with back to school rush. Some of us are already preparing for the holidays. I do not have that problem, but other people do. But one thing that can make your life a lot easier during this busy season is meal kit delivery from Sunbasket. Sunbasket makes it easy to cook seasonal, nutritious meals no matter how busy you get. There are meals designed to fit every busy lifestyle. You can choose from paleo, lean and clean, gluten free, vegetarian, and family options created by award winning chefs and approved by nutritionists. Sunbasket sends you organic and sustainable ingredients pre measured and ready to go. They take the guesswork out of preparation, make cleanup easier, and you get to skip going to the grocery store, all saving a ton of time. With Sunbasket, I can prepare my meals in around 30 minutes, and they are always delicious, and you can always find the time for that. So go to sunbasket.com slash pod today and get $35 off of your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash thispod for $35 off of your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash thispod for $35 off. sunbasket.com slash thispod. I think that conversation with Emily was so critical, um, particularly as we think about Populations that for one reason or another are not necessarily as visible and yet have, you know, really important challenges that we as a society should be thinking about and thinking about how to support them. And, you know, she was talking about people with disabilities being, you know, so disenfranchised that they're not necessarily easy to find. And then... I think that one of the other communities that we're thinking about right now in particular are immigrant communities and particularly undocumented immigrant communities that are Again, you know, people who, for one reason or another, are not able to be visible, um, and that's you know, particularly with what's coming out of the administration with the rescinding of DACA, that's a really scary place to be in, especially when you can't necessarily advocate for yourself for fear of getting deported.
1: Right, and you know, the word marginalized, unfortunately, has sort of lost some of its meaning. But you know, I think that that DACA recipients, immigrant youth, um, children, you know, that were brought here by their parents really are sort of some of the most marginalized people in our country. They are seeking to be fundamental, contributing, and they are contributing parts of our country, and they're vital, um, and yet they're being literally pushed out to the margins and worse. So let's talk about what we can do this week to stand up for their rights, to, to welcome them back in with not just with our words and our thoughts and our prayers but with direct action so let's give Kat a call so we can get to that
0: hello hi Kat hey it's Courtney and Libby hey Courtney hey Libby <laughs> sorry I Oprah'd that one
1: how's it going <laughs> out there Kat uh, going pretty well how are you guys Good, good. We, um, as you know, we're all about DACA this week and and trying to Mm -hmm. come up with the most kind of direct, impactful ways that we can stand up for immigrant youth, for immigrant families, uh, and everyone that's, that's fighting for them. So let us know what we can what we can do this week to keep up that fight. Sure. Yeah. So in the wake of
3: the sessions announcement via Trump, who's called for the end of the deferred action for childhood arrivals, that's DACA. Um, They've called for that end in six months and essentially pitched pitched it over to Congress to come up with a plan. Um, So, you know, under DACA, just to give folks a reset, 800,000 young people, undocumented youth, are allowed to work or get an education, student aid, many entered the armed services if they passed a federal background check. These are folks who've called America their home, their only home. Uh, it, it puts 800,000 people risk, at risk for deporta- deportation. And these are people that came forward announced their stories, announced their names and addresses with the government, um, and that information now could potentially be used against them. And, and this is just cruel. It's immoral. So we really need folks to show up in mass for undocumented use. And how you can do that is by calling Congress to protect, protect DACA recipients. You need to call them and ask them to pass the DREAM Act, ask them to pass a Clean DREAM Act in current session. This is going to be an official legislative solution to grant undocumented young people path to permanent residency in the country that they work and live and call home. So call your senators and representatives, especially the Republican ones. And I'd also say, hey, call the Democratic ones, too. They need your data. Uh, They need to hear your thanks. And also the folks who are interns probably could use a thank you as well. But especially call your Republicans. There's scripts at fivecalls.org, and they'll give you your numbers. Uh, Get out to events as well. There are events popping up all around the country. You can visit weareheretostay.org. That's weareheretostay.org to find an event near you. Um, if there isn't one for your area, go ahead and start one. Start a vigil. Start an event. Um, don't ask for permission. Show up. And also, you know, another plug, too. Uh, in the meantime, there are other actions we can do. Um, we have calls for change uh, that's been launched on our website, which is pantsuitnation.org slash change uh, but really encourage folks to, uh, this week and then the coming weeks in the entire congressional session to keep calling your members of Congress. Put the pressure on to pass
0: the DREAM Act uh, to protect uh, these over 800,000 undocumented youth who call America their home. Thank you, Kat. It's so critical right now that while this is kind of top of mind, that we make sure that we have a huge push so that our representatives know that this matters to the people of this country, that we're not going to sit back and say, sure, you know, send my neighbor back to a place that they don't remember. It's just, yeah, I'm so glad that um, this was something that we could focus on this week um, just because it's so critical.
1: And for our listeners, if you um, go ahead and go back to episode four, if you haven't heard it already, please listen to Cheska's story. She's a recipient of DACA. She illustrates really beautifully just how important this is for people like her who just want to work, to serve, to get an education and contribute to the country um, that is just as much there as it is as ours. So please listen to Cheska's story. Check in in Pantsuit Nation. We're sharing stories constantly um, from people who are allies for DACA youth, for for people that are recipients of DACA. It's really important to amplify these stories and to tie that to the direct action, um, doing what you can, as Kat said. So thank you for sharing all of that with us, Kat. And um, I'll certainly to be making my calls today and, and every day going forward. Thank you, Kat. All right. Thanks, you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Okay, thanks, Kat. Okay, so there's a ton to think about this week. You know, Emily gave us a lot to think about. Kat gave us a lot to think about. As you mentioned, when we opened the show, Courtney, there's natural disasters happening. There's um my heart is heavy and and I'm trying to find some inspiration in the world as we do every week. So um, let's bring in the golden pantsuit
0: for the week. Absolutely. Um, So this week's golden pantsuit is actually a bit of a throwback to, gosh, two months ago now. These are 15 young women who protested Senate Bill 4 on the steps of the Texas State House. SB 4 was signed by Governor Greg Abbott, and it allows law enforcement to request proof of citizenship for anyone who looks foreign, which, of course, we know what that means. It means brown and so these young women just said this affects our community these are women who have family members who are immigrants and some of whom are undocumented they themselves are from a community of people that were directly affected by this and they said you know what we have something that we can do so let's listen to a little bit of how they sounded on the steps of the texas state house this hateful law violates our human rights It will create fear and distrust in our communities and it will tear apart our families. But I am standing here today, along with these 14 strong women, to tell you that we will not let that happen. Now, ladies, please repeat
2: after me so Donald Trump and Greg Abbott can hear us.
3: We are brown and beautiful! We won't back down.
1: Amazing. I love them. I I want to like literally send them 15 golden pantsuits, like (laughs) (laughs) if that was in my budget, just to like, you know, because I think they're incredible. And I just love that so much.
0: Yeah. And I just I love the idea of, you know, what can you do to make a statement that is, you know, these are young women. They're not out of high school. And they said, you know, this is what we have at our um, disposal to make ourselves visible and make ourselves heard. Um, There were a lot of really awesome news stories about that. That was from a video from MTV News. Um, And so it's just there are ways to be, again, an activist that is directly connected to your community, um, that really makes the splash. And these women, these young women are, um, well, they're golden pantsuit badasses. So high five to them. They are, yeah. And
1: as Kat said, you know, don't ask for permission, don't wait for permission, get out there. As Emily said, take up space, you know, take up mm. take up some space and get out there. And and if you're a person that maybe is already <laughs> taking up space, or you feel like you see yourself represented out there in the world, then maybe think about how you can make some space for these voices to be shared. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, with that, get out there. Pantsuit Nation, this pod is your pod listeners. We know that you're an incredibly active and passionate group. And thank you for, for listening, for supporting us, and for staying engaged with your democracy because um,
0: that's what we all need to do. Yeah, we have to thank um, Emily so much and of course Kat today. And if you like what you hear, please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Um, You can of course visit us at pantsuitnation.org to learn more about our organization. You can share with us some thoughts or questions or experiences that you've had. Um, If you want to tweet at us at this pod is your pod or at pantsuitnation, um, same handles on Instagram. And also we really appreciate our sponsor that helped us bring you this podcast for free. So thanks to Sunbasket, and of course to the team at Cadence Thirteen. Um, and we'll be back soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Court. Talk to you next week, Livy. Okay. Bye. Bye.